You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. Today's innovations are tomorrow's possibilities. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Balchunas. Eric, last year at this time, we did a March Madness-inspired episode. Maybe my favorite of the year of all the episodes that we did. And this year we wanted to one-up it. Yeah, this is the episode where we bring in as many people as possible. Just a total pile-on. And this time we thought of an idea. You know, we're fans of the show Shark Tank. And we thought of an idea of how about we get a bunch of people to pitch their idea for a new ETF, right? I love it. I've got a great idea. Uh, yeah, I know. You actually you're, you actually pitched yours to Bloomberg Indexes, yeah. so yours is legit. Um, and the reason I thought this was good this year is because this year is the first year ever where closures are outnumbering new launches in ETFs. Um, the industry is getting harder and harder. I think the fee war, the uh, down market last year has created even more hesitancy to launch new products. And I was speaking with Mike Venuto at Tidal ETF Services. Uh, which helps launch new ETFs. He said only about 1% of ETFs pitched you know, in the world get greenlit and make it to market. So the bar is pretty high. And the other thing is when you look at how much it costs to launch an ETF, it's about 50000 Then it costs 250000 to to support it. So with all that and the difficulty of getting new assets, and we, we've talked about that a lot, um, the pitch is important. So we thought this would be a fun way to explore maybe uh, how pitches happen. And to help us judge these pitches, we brought back last year's judge, David Papadopoulos, who's an, a senior editor with Bloomberg News. And David isn't going to play the issuer per se. He's going to play the seed capital investor because uh, Mike Venuto was also saying that if you come with uh, prepared seed capital – uh, you have way more likely to get greenlit than so if you don't. how much money are we going to give him? He's going to have $100 million to distribute. Yeah. That's a pretty good raise. That is. Yeah. Yes. I mean, going from an editor at Bloomberg News to, like, seed investor. Joel, I was a senior <laughs> editor. Okay. okay. Sorry. There you go. All right. All right. Got it. Yes. Got I'll it. take the 100 I thought we million. didn't have titles yeah. here. So he's going to basically hear a bunch of pitches from people in Bloomberg Intelligence who work with you and also within Bloomberg News, and we're going to hear a bunch of ideas Everybody's got one. You got basically one minute to make your pitch. And Mr. Papadopoulos is going to judge us all on our ideas and then pick a winner and some runners up. Yeah, I was thinking he'd do 50 million to the top prize, 30 million to number two, and then 20 million to number three. Okay, so Mr. Papadopoulos, what are you going to be looking for as we make our pitches? So I'm looking for a few things here. one is at, at at some level, of course, there's got to be a certain wow factor, right? Like you've got to you've got to you've got to get get my attention. This might seem slightly contradictory. At the same time, I don't want a whole lot of BS. I don't want a lot of I don't want gimmicks. They have to be, you know, um, smart themes, you know, with good fundamentals and things I can believe in. And it's also important for me that they're not overly complex or complicated. I'm ultimately not sophisticated enough here to get the hocus pocus. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. All right. Okay. I'll take it. So joining us from Bloomberg News, Carolina Wilson, Sarah Ponzak, Annie Massa, Ben Steverman, Rachel Evans, and Suzanne Woolley. Eric on the BI side. We have James Seifert, uh, myself, uh, Tom Sarafagus, and Morgan Barna, who is our newest member, and she's uh, coming into us from D.C. And I'm joining also from Bloomberg. So. This week on Trillions... ETF tank. All right, first up, Carolina Wilson, you were the first one to walk in the door. Let's hear your pitch. Papadopoulos, let me introduce you to my ticker FRAT, which is my college-focused consumer ETF. The latest string of ETFs that have actually found success and growth in today's ETF market are thematic funds that can sub in for some type of sector exposure. In this case, it would be something like consumer discretionary. FRAT is a win-win for issuers and money managers trying to carouse the next generation of money. Why not give them a theme that they're all too familiar with, holding products that have governed their day-to-day lives, but in a measured, diversified way? FRAT has four equally weighted sector 
bands and one shorting component that makes up 15% of the portfolio. The four-sector bands will market cap weight their constituents, which include one, cannabis companies. Two, (laughs) (laughs) food and drink. Think Chipotle, Anheuser-Busch, Monster Energy. Three, technology entertainment. Think Spotify, Facebook, Netflix, gaming uh, stocks. And four, retail, which I have dominated by none other than Amazon. And that 15% shorting component I mentioned, Frat will short Navient, the student loan company. But oh, I like that. Not That's only are clever. you getting a boost from marijuana-focused names, but you're also neatly exposed to the market's favorite fang cohort. And my favorite part of it all, there's a 10% that has not been accounted for, and that's because Frat Wrap it up. has a 10% allocation to cash, which it's saving up for when Uber IPOs. Hmm. So I'm long dope in this thing, and I'm short student loans. Student loans. Interesting. Now- there's some appeal to this. I, I I do see the value to this. But who do you anticipate? Who are your natural buyers of this ETF? So not likely not college students because they're broke and they have, they have no, no money, money. But people that believe in the college consumer and the amount of stuff that these people are consuming. Why should I believe in the college consumer? Do they? That seems like a growth prospect, bro. Like these are 22 year old consumers. But but. For down the road, but they have no money now. Growth potential. And and they do spend, like, money that they don't have, right? Which is why, also, we have this student <laughs> That is true. That's <laughs> fact-check true. Hey, look, <laughs> sample backtest shows that Frat over the past five years has returned more than 250%. Ooh, backtest. Oh. oh. Over what period of time? Five years. Of course, past performance is no guarantee of um, <laughs> future returns. Um, Next up. Sarah Ponzak. Now, Sarah has taken this really seriously. I think she may have slept in this room overnight to get ready for it. Okay, so and she's been like talking trash to me all week about how I've heard a lot about this. I gotta say, Joel started it. Okay, Uh, all right. Well, let's let's end it. Let's hear it. All right, go. It seems everyone is always talking about millennials nowadays, but what about Generation Z? This year, Gen Z is expected to surpass millennials as the most populous generation as some age into their mid-20s. So to gouge future spending patterns, you have to get into the psyche of this new largest demographic. Gen Z cares about who is who, who is doing what. They grew up on social media platforms like Instagram and Snapchat, and the influencer culture is real. Take Kylie Jenner, for instance. She promoted her makeup line on Instagram and is now the youngest self-made billionaire. Influencers are powerful. The Influencer Economy ETF, ticker WHO, W-H-O, is a new exchange-traded fund that holds companies that partner with the top 20 influencers, from athletes to actors, public figures, and more. Stocks will be weighted based on their associated influencers' rank, and this is the global diversified fund. Take Cristiano Ronaldo right now. He's the number one top influencer. Electronic Arts, Nike, Abbott Labs, all companies he partners with. Selena Gomez, she partners with Adidas and Coca-Cola, Ariana Grande, Wrap it up. The Rock, Under Armour, you get the idea. So who? Who? Not the band. No, not the, the band. Um, all right, so give me a, a sense of some more of the products here we're, 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 or some more of the companies we're talking about here. So some other companies, Beyonce is the top six influencer right now. She partners with PepsiCo. You also have Kylie Jenner, of course, with makeup at Ulta Beauty, Taylor Swift, UPS, Target, AT&T, Comcast. So you really get this mix of different sectors. So right now it's holding consumer discretionary companies, consumer staple companies, telecom, healthcare. So that way, when you have a downturn like we at the end of last year, yeah. who actually fell less than the broader market? And there are there. What do we know out there in terms of ETFs already that that approach Gen Z? There are not any. This would None. be the first ETF. Your act- this who? who my ETF would be the first one that actually acknowledges Gen Z. So who is Sarah Ponzik? That's who first of its kind. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of more Gen Z talk, including in our own newsroom, which is probably a contrarian <laughs> indicator. Which probably, which probably... All right. Next up, we have uh, Joel Weber. OK, as you guys might know, Bloomberg Intelligence tracks more than 1900 companies in industries from energy to technology to retail to finance. Once a year, Bloomberg Businessweek, the magazine that I edit, partners mm-hmm with BI, Bloomberg Intelligence, to do something called 50 Companies to Watch. Not all of those are winners. We call it watch. 
Some might be up, some might be, might be down. 30 of those are U.S. listed. So the goal of this exercise is to identify companies that will face an unusual challenge in the coming year or are opposed to release blockbuster products or services. Mm-hmm. The analyst considers stuff like revenue growth, margins, market share, debt, and even other factors like economic mm-hmm. conditions. I got reader fan mail on this one. When we did this just a couple weeks ago, a portfolio manager emailed me to say, I don't know what your crystal ball is. 40 of those companies are way up. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's my idea. Rap. We're going to rebalance this thing quarterly. Mm. F- we're going to be long 40, short 10. Long 40. Here's the ticker. Right. Fitty. Fitty. Well, <laughs> wait, how many letters? F-I-D-Y? F-I-T-Y. Oh, okay. Which is currently <clears throat> held by a Fidelity fund, but we'll take over. <laughs> <laughs> Make him an offer they it's can't refuse. It's actually not listed, so it's, it's up there. Yeah. 40 long, 10 short. Um, like, who, who would be in this long list right now, and who would be short? It's a great question, right? Because I think... It, the part of this is U.S. versus international. So you're going to have this. It's going to be very global. Right. But the stuff that you'd be long on right now would be like fast retailing would be one. Based on the the research that we did, that's a company that we think has great international growth. Mm-hmm. But you'd be short something probably like Ford or mm-hmm. uh, General Motors. I, I'm a Ford. Right. GE. I'm maybe. a Ford pickup truck owner. You should, that's okay. you should know that. But, um, All for it, but basically um, you'd be rebalancing this so that you'd constantly have 10 that you're short, 40 that you're long. Got it. No, <sighs> Hit me. What's the criteria again for this beyond you know your big brain and, and the big brains of the BI folks? So I think this is a great amplifier because we're going to curate a list that we're confident, just like this guy recognized, we've been outperforming. So we're going to go long the ones that that we are, okay. we have great uh, confidence in outperforming, and then we're going to amplify it even more by being short ones that we think are going to underperform the market. Okay, mic drop. Next up, James Seifert, an analyst with Bloomberg Intelligence. James, go. All right, so. My ETFs, I have a pair of ETFs, and they're revolving around two words that we hear a lot when Mm -hmm. you watch any sort of financial news, risk on and risk off. So when you see risk on, there are certain ETFs or certain stocks that you're going to own, and when you're thinking risk off, there's certain stocks you're going to go to if you need to maintain equity exposure. Mm -hmm. So this combines multiple factors and sectors into two ETFs. So the risk on factor ETF is going to hold growth, momentum, size, and high beta ETFs. And on the sector side, right now, it's going to hold tech, consumer discretionary, and communications. On the risk-off side, you're going to hold low vol, quality, dividend growth, and value. And from the sector side on risk-off, you're going to hold consumer staples and utilities. Now, past, past returns is an indicative of future returns, but if you look at the returns over the past five to seven years, you're going to see the risk-on has outperformed by 40% on the risk-off with mm-hmm. SPY in the middle there. And then if you look over the biggest downturn in December, it worked just as expected with the risk off being down just 13%. (laughs) Wrap it up. And the risk on being down 17% again with SPY in the middle over that 24-day period. Um, I am fascinated by this. I think this is pretty cool. At the same time, as I said at the beginning, I'm not smart enough to understand all the ins and outs. So again, so explain to me. So I simultaneously am owning... Two ETFs, is that right? Well, you, you've broken. So, well, yeah. So you would own if you if you believe there's risk on in the market, or you right. think that there's going to be a bull market going forward for the next couple of years, you're going to own the risk on factor ETF. And if you're not, you're going to own the risk off. So, so if, that, you're, if, if you're pre- predicting a future downturn, you need to maintain equity exposure. Theoretically, people will go to utilities or some lower volatility stocks, and this is just going to group all those low volatility factors or. Uh, risk off factors together. Well, I think Sarah Ponzik wants to wants to chime in here. What do you I do. I have a question. You said in risk on right now, it's holding momentum, but haven't you yourself done a lot of research lately that oh. momentum is actually risk off right now? Momentum, oh. momentum is more highly correlated right now. That's it's a, a good low point. Vol. It is a good point, and I was thinking about it. But over the longer periods, this is just an in- instance that, and what's going on with a specific rebalance that happened to a certain ETF. It's, it's, not, all, it's not all momentum ETFs, but right now that's just a stint in what's going on. Over, over the long term, momentum is going to outperform in bull markets. Thank you. 
What's the ticker? Oh, oh yeah. R O N N for risk on and R O F F for risk off. Ron and Roth? Yeah, Ron and Roth. This is like the yin yin yang last year. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. But uh, I need to decide which of these two I'm moving in and out of. Theoretically, yes. Or you could listen what do you mean to the theoretically. Talk- <laughs> or, or you could listen to the talking no, I'm heads. To put, I'm going to put fifty million into this. Thing. You, you could listen to the talking heads on um, on Bloomer TV to know which one to put in. But typically, when you launch these dual type of partnerships, mm-hmm. dual ETFs or more than one ETF, they split them evenly and then let the okay. allocators go. And they benefit when something is going good in that area. So if much people are flowing money there. So next up we have uh, from our D.C. studio is Morgan Barna, who is uh, the new associate for Bloomberg Intelligence Fund and ETF Research. Uh, Morgan, take it away. Okay. I am pitching a largely U.S.-based equity theme fund. So the Supreme Court reversed a sports betting ban Mm -hmm. that I think is going to really open the door for – companies that do gaming and uh, sort of gambling to really capture what was formerly sort of offline betting. So more states are going to follow the first seven. And this is about $150 billion in off-market sports wagering annually. Um, along with that, there's so much um, content on demand for entertainment. And so I kind of think this stirs a countercurrent for more live entertainment experiences. So is this a theme fund? Um, Will equal weight companies um, here that have direct exposure, companies like Live Nation, TripAdvisor, Eventbrite, Madison Square Garden. And then there's some new listings of pure play esports companies. I know we've talked about um, gaming, but esports right, companies. Got to wrap it up. Uh, esports companies, Allied Sports, Super League Gaming, and Modern Times are all coming online. Got it. Well, as a lifelong gambler. Yeah, I mean, she just like picked. I mean, this is picked, like my it was like she picked spot. the shark. I can see his heartstrings. Right. Yeah. Um, his eyes lit up when she said gambling. You know, it was just like, <laughs> whoa, you got me. So, all right. So you're both. Tapping into like the Live Nations and the Trip Advisors, right? That could ride this wave a bit. But then, tell me again the names of the more the the companies that are actually more directly involved in the gambling. Because I also maybe I need to set up some accounts there. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> MGM, Eldorado, and Boyd have all made um, decent partnerships and acquisitions in the space. Got it. And what's the ticker? Yeah, what is the ticker? Um, e L I V Entertainment Live. E L I V. E Live. All right. Thank he, you, Morgan. Li- I think he likes the gambling part oh, like more gambling. more than the entertainment part. I mean, <laughs> I do. You don't get out much, do you? <laughs> no, I'm too busy gambling. <laughs> Thank you, Morgan. Sure, no problem. All right. I think, uh, Eric, I think it's your turn. Okay. What's the one thing we all hate? Okay, don't answer that. But <laughs> I know one thing we all hate, um, and that is Mondays. And guess who else hates Mondays? The market. If you look at the days of the week... Monday is the only day since 1928 where the market is down on average. Every other day it's positive. So this is a pretty simple idea. It's called Xmon, the calendar shares S&P 500 X Mondays ETF. All it does is hold IVV, right? It's going to buy it at uh, Friday uh, close because between the close and the open, you can pick up a few basis points too. That's a good time to to hold it. And then it will... Um, so it'll sell it on Friday and buy it on Tuesday, uh, uh, Monday at the close. <laughs> and so essentially you're going to get the market return minus Monday. Now, there's a lot of theories on why Mondays are bad. Companies report bad news on Fridays a lot of times. People get paranoid over the weekend, right? The idle hands are the devil's plaything. So people come in selling. And guess what? Wrap it up. You would avoid catastrophe. What are the worst market crashes no- known as? Black Monday right. and Black Monday 2, which is August 24th, 2015. Uh, you would have avoided those too. So I'm selling Friday and I'm buying it Monday. What about trading Monday. costs? What about trading costs? Comes a voice from the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Trade, yeah. yeah. Tell me. Sure. So IVV trades at a 0.01% spread. So you would incur those, uh, but you're hoping to pick up more than those trading costs over the long term. So IVV I picked on purpose because it has a real low expense ratio, but it's more liquid than VU. So to me, it's the perfect ETF to use for this strategy. All right. I'm a little, I'm just a little surprised if I can chime in. Like, yeah. of all the ETFs that Eric could come up with, with this one feels a little lazy. <laughs> lazy? Well, my other idea was a little, uh, I don't know. Um, 
One I, idea at a time. I just one wanna... idea at a time. We don't have time for more ideas. <laughs> hold on. Well, no, the reason it's right. clever though. It's clever. Hey, well, hold on a second. I um, I think it's kind of cool. I got two questions. Yep. One. So, are we sh- sure that it's not gimmicky though? Right? Like this isn't just some odd statistical aberration. This is like legit. I mean, there's really something. There, there are fundamental factors for Monday always sucking. Yeah, like I said, there's the the human behavioral. People right. come in Monday, they're cranky. A lot of times, if something bad happens on a Friday, it gets worse on Monday because people have all weekend and they don't think, "Oh, I'll be okay." Their brains go to the negative. They're like, "I better sell wait, out wait, of some wait, stuff." Wait, wait, wait. Are you a shrink? Uh, no, but okay. I, I'm I, I took okay. a psychology class okay. in college. <laughs> you know. Okay. <laughs> You're psychoanalyzing the market here. Well, behavior is a big deal. That's why factors work. To me, this is somewhat of a factor kind of play. My last question for you is, like wise guys like you who come in and say, oh, I'm going to short Monday. I mean, is it possible that as you bring attention to this, your ETF takes off, that you're going to wind up arbing out, you know, the down Mondays? If this ETF gets that big, um, you and I will both be filthy rich by the time oh, like it gets arbed the out. So, but yeah, ultimately, if, if everybody starts buying this, then yeah, there could be a, right. an arb. Uh, right. su- su- super duper last question for you. So, like, give me a rough sense of like what a typical Monday return looks like over the over a certain period of time versus Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. On average, Mondays are down eight basis points on average since 1928. On Tuesday, it's up five bips. Wednesday, eight bips. Wednesday is actually the best performing day for whatever reason. And Thursday, four bips. Friday, five. So it's really like a, a seven, almost a 10 basis point swing between Monday and any other day. Hmm. Okay. And you add 10 basis points up you know, over weeks after weeks after weeks. That's going to add up to some alpha. Next up, Ben Steverman, who's on the wealth team at Bloomberg News. Ben's the reigning champion from last year. What was your idea with with last year's March Madness winner? I was going for MT, which is the retail ETF. All right. And, and how was that done after I loaded I up on tell that? You. Uh, I have not checked. <laughs> Hold on. Give me uh, four seconds here. I did warn you that it wasn't going to do well. Negative uh, 2.2%. <laughs> But we're waiting. We're still waiting for the big home run, right? The yeah, big grand that's slam. It. For me, I'm the personal finance guy. I think long term. Right. Not like these. We trading Ponzi trading day to day. No, this is. I think in in decades, not days. <laughs> okay. And we'll be uh, dead in decades. <laughs> I won't be. But <laughs> all right, okay. Ben. Are you ready? Um, Three, yes, two, ready. one, go. So as I said, I'm I'm a personal finance guy. I think long term. I was thinking about long-term trends. How do, how do we invest in some of the big global long-term trends? Right. Climate change. Okay, you can do that. There's ways to do that. Um, urbanization. You look at rural areas all around the world, including the United States. They're shrinking. Population's going down. The economy of rural areas is shrinking. Cities are booming, especially in Africa and especially in Asia, but also the United States. Um, big cities are doing really well. And outside of metropolitan areas, it's hard to get a job. So it's thinking about um, a urban, in basically an urban ETF. So it it's a it's it invests in a whole range of sectors. So it could be finance, REITs, uh, industrial, cranes, elevators, retail. It goes after retail stores and retail companies that really go after that urban consumer. The ticker is. <laughs> Uh, well, okay, this, the ticker could be city. That's available. What do you mean could be? Well, the, I have a better one. Okay, Y-U- well, tell me what it is. Y-U-P-P, yuppie. Uh, uh, why, why, we are gentrifying ETF investing. We're gentrifying ETF. ETF investing. Huh. As if ETF investing needed gentrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um Give me some name. All right, so you said finance, you said REITs, you said cranes. Like, so what am I? What am so I? So Walk would be the crane uh, idea. Lyft IPOs, you would right. want that. So you want some transportation I in there. See. But the the key is you want something that's really focused on urban consumers all around the world, not um, not rural consumers. So like Amazon, I think you would want to leave that out because it's more of a broader play. It's got to be really locked in on cities. You're super yep. long cities, super short, essentially, or just out. everything else is out. Not yep. short, but everything. Everything else is out. And and you are changing this 
the makeup of this fund? Oh, how? that's the other thing. We're, we're like, high, we got to get a good team of like millennials to sort of take an artisanal approach to the index construction of this. Yeah. This really is pretty yuppie. <laughs> artisanal shares. It took me a long time to come up with this, guys. <laughs> artisanal approach to stock selection. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yuppie. Yuppie yeah. with artisanal rebalancing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Okay. Thank you, Ben. Very good. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. All right, next up, Rachel Evans of Bloomberg News, a frequent guest on Trillions. No pressure. Three, two, one. Make way for the future 500 ETF. <laughs> okay. Uh, trading under the ticker SHTK, the shtick of this fund, is <laughs> nice. to invest in the mega caps of the future. The right. fund will track an index of the 500 most recently listed U.S. companies, which it will equal weight rebalancing quarterly to limit trading costs. Uh, this thematic fund will charge 40 basis points, undercutting the average thematic ETF by more than 10 basis points, uh, and will look to beat the IPO-focused funds that are out there, which are currently uh, charging about 60 basis points, so 20 basis points more than this fund. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I didn't the, even need the time. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that's like maybe <laughs> the first one that's coming under. Yeah. So Again, you, points for that. I feel. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I see that. So you are every newly issued stock. Yep. You guys buy. That's issued in the U.S. It's issued in the United States of America. Now, I see the appeal to it, but I guess I just wonder. So we're willy nilly scooping it all up. And how often do we then do we rotate these out? So once a quarter. So because you want to limit the, the trading cost of kind of trading too frequently. Right. Quarterly rebalancing is relatively common. So that's when you kind of like turn over the portfolio. I reckon you probably replace the stocks maybe every two years would kind of like be the time you'd get a whole new portfolio. You can't see this, but Carolina's nodding her head in approval behind you. She, yeah, she, she's yeah she is. It. She feels it. She's feeling your pitch. She seems she, to like She's your, your hype man. She's like, <laughs> she flavor, likes, flavor over there. She likes your pitch better than her own, it seems like. But, uh, um, but I would say as well that like looking at kind of like funds that focus on IPOs, some of which are, are less sophisticated, I would say, than, than this pitch, right. they've done very well. They're up 30% this year. Okay. But you're just, I guess the only thing that concerns me, you're just right, blindly blanket buying them all. Uh, they tend to do well initially, of course, but like w how much risk do I have? Am I going to be, are we going to be stumbling into some total blow-ups? So that is the why you have an ETF in the first place rather than buying these stocks outright. Right. You know, you could buy Lyft and then, hey, maybe Lyft gets bought out by another company or, or goes to hell in a handcart. Who knows? But the, the whole point of an ETF is you have diversified exposure. Yes, it is buying everything that lists, but that's how you get diversified exposure. You get all of those companies that are going to be this future 500, the future S&P 500. Last question for you before I let you go is that um, I understand, right, you're buying companies of the future, but as Bloomberg News has reported recently, maybe it was Ponzi yourself, has said that companies that are IPOing are typically IPOing at a much later age than they used to. So am I really getting companies of the future? Or this is still your first chance to buy into them well, as, as an that. investor in the public market. So better to get in sort of you know, five years into their lifespan right. or wait another 10 or 15. You're still in kind of that early arc of growth for these companies. That was a good question. Well, yeah. I, I had to come up with one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a, okay. a, a question, which is it, you're British. Um, Sadly. Hell in a handcart? We say hell in yeah. a handbag. Yeah. I've ah. never heard of hell in a handbag. No, hell, hell in a hell hand in a, basket. In a basket. Hand basket. Okay, whatever. Ba Would you say bag? In, in yeah. Oregon. That's what they say in yeah. Oregon. Oh, my God. It's, it's an right. Oregon. Oh, it's an Oregon thing? Okay, sorry. Tom Sarvegas, analyst with Bloomberg Intelligence. Tom, you got about one minute. Go for it. Okay, uh, so this one is the anti-factor ETF. So let me sort of set the stage for you. So there has just been this big focus on everyone chasing factor ETFs. When I say factor, I mean things like low volatility, momentum, value. There is a lot of money sort of chasing these factors. This one is basically looking for the island of misfit toys. So what this does is actually it looks through the really popular factor ETFs, like the value one, the momentum one, and it actually looks at the stocks that are not owned by any of them, right? So it's really a contrarian indicator. And 
The reason I wanted to pick this one, because I think that investors have this sort of love affair with contrarian indicators. They're really looking for anything to give them any insight into anything cracking in the market or sort of, or any type of insight. So um, uh, fee-wise, it's only 25 basis points. Mm-hmm. I think it's super competitive for a product like this. And you're probably asking yourself, like, who are the anti-factor names? Because right? you're probably right. thinking these are like garbage stocks and no one wants to touch. All right. Um, Wrap it up, Greek. Let me throw out some names. Facebook, Verizon, Intel, right? So there's nothing wrong with these companies just because they don't meet the definition of a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, they've sort of been shunned. So these obviously very stable companies that have, you know, He's just disregarding the wrap-up. And uh, <laughs> um, so I'm really looking for an ETF to pick up on okay. uh, mispricings that just because these stocks don't meet the traditional factor definition. All right, Greek, what's your ticker? The ticker is great. I think it's reject. I'll judge if it's great. RJKT. Reject. Reject. Spell it again for me. Uh, RJKT. RJKT. All right. And how often am I moving in and out of these anti-factor stocks? How often? Yeah. Good question. You're moving quarterly because that coincides with how the other factor ETFs are rebalanced. Typically, they rebalance every quarter. Um, so this one will also rebalance every quarter. As those ones are rebalanced, it looks for all the names that are not in it, and it'll pick up the same name. The, it'll rebalance in the same frequency. All right, Greg, before I let you go, I am a contrarian guy by nature, so this does uh, appeal to me at some level. But I guess, like, how... Right, I mean, these things are... Are, are anti-factor for a reason, right? They're out of favor. How long do we need to sit on these things for before they they start, you know, paying paying off for us? Yeah, good question. And why I think this product has the potential to be a disruptor. So because let's look at value, for example. Value's been underperforming for ten years. So if you actually look at a value index, if you mm-hmm. take the worst value names, you would have outperformed the best value names over the last five years. So. Why I think this is a disruptor is because if anti-factor starts to do well, it sort of underpins everything else. It's sort of saying, hey, factors aren't working, uh, and there's so much money chasing these factors. The potential for this to be a disruptor, I think, is huge. So, so um, you're essentially trying to use their hype against them. And, uh, exactly. Uh, and I think as factor investing gets more popular, there's going to be more and more money chasing the same stocks based on the same factor definition. Uh, Greg, for what it's worth, Baltunas is sort of nodding his head. Baltunas is into this one. He, want, he doesn't... I, he doesn't have the cash I have right now, but he might he might give you a bit of money. Yeah, it appeal I'm a contrarian too, so it appeals to me on that level. And I'm actually shocked this one isn't a product. Well done. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, guys. All right, next up, Annie Massa, reporter with Bloomberg News. Annie, three, two, one, go. Okay, allow me to propose to you. The wedding ETF. (laughs) Trading under the ticker IDO, this ETF tracks a bespoke index of companies uniquely positioned to profit off of the $72 billion U.S. wedding industry. Now, that includes jewelers, Tiffany & Co., K Jewelers, registry go-tos like Bed Bath & Beyond, formal retailers like Nordstrom, beverage companies Anheuser-Busch, and tech companies like Amazon, soon to IPO, Pinterest, a popular one with brides, and even um, drone part makers, because drones are the future of wedding photography. Ah, Got to capture those aerial shots. Couples spend an average of $44,000 a year. That's up more than 60% um, year over year on their weddings in the U.S. And this ETF gives you an exposure to a wide array of industries, um, giving it a, a real, I think, special flavor as Anyone you know, who that knows. Is, that's a special sound. <laughs> okay, just l- last th- last note, as anybody who's ever been in a long-term relationship knows, past results are not indicative of future <laughs> returns. <laughs> Excellent. Ooh, wow. All right. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good ticker. And I like it, 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 it's I, I like how approachable it is. But let me ask you a couple of questions here. All right, so it's a $72 billion industry. Uh, and these folks spend forty four thousand on average in their weddings up sixty percent. But is this really a growth industry, though? Like, am I? I mean, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I thought, I thought, I thought marriage was kind of. I mean, you could uh, short this how? whole thing. Uh, you, right? you, you could, yeah, you could also go short if you're bitter. But, <laughs> but the the other piece of it is millennials are increasingly getting their parents to pay for their weddings, meaning that the co- the cost of weddings, wedding spending, is actually going up. Wait a minute. Yeah. I'm going to be paying for my. You're kids. footing the bill. <laughs> Sorry to tell so, you. Okay, so I. All right, so. 
This is growth. This is I'm I'm gonna be buying growth industry. Growth industry. And it's I'm not sure I buy that. I mean Tiffany. Yeah, Tiffany. You said right. for wedding registries, Wait, I Bed Bath and hey, Beyond. Hey, oh, okay. you're a kid. He's got Amazon in there yeah. for the, yeah. the right, tech savvy. You could add Airbnb I once just think that it's goes right public. For disruption. Right. So this is my other question. So is it, you're kind of all, you're slightly all over the place in terms of what you're wedging in here? I mean, like Amazon for weddings? But in that sense, like Amazon could be for, for registries. Like, no, I get it. But it could be at that point, Amazon, you then could almost apply to anything. Um, I. I, I I do like there are elements so here. You're already like using it. the ticker. I feel like I did. Yeah, I did. It's catching on. It it's, it's the next big thing. 40, in that forty-four thousand is up sixty percent from when you did. From not the year before, from twenty seventeen. Get out of here. Okay, this is according to Brides Magazine. <laughs> I mean, what wow. are the, what are the heavy odds? duty research? Just, just, what are the odds right now? What are the odds that? Spending on weddings went up 60% in one year. I think uh, the odds of that are something like zero, right? But. Brides. <laughs> it's an authoritative I'm call, I'm data source, second only to the, 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 the fathers footing the bill is a good market because that, that you could look right? at it as a hedge on your wedding that you're ah. paying for. It kind of It's a way to hedge out the costs. That's, that's a clever angle. That's smart. Next up, Suzanne Woolley. Uh, Suzanne had a, a premature exit from the, the tournament last year. With She picked a great one, Moo, but kind of got bounced. My yep. colleague Ben Steverman just knocked me out of the park. Yeah, It was yeah. sad. Yeah, it was He was sad. pretty brutal, I, I got to admit, but um, it but, worked. But now's your chance at redemption. <laughs> there you yes. Go. All right, yes. so, so you ready for Shark Tank? I am. Okay, here we go. Make your pitch. This ETF is nothing about redemption. My chip pitch is for evil, ticker symbol mm. E-V-I-L. Nice. Unsurprisingly, the ticker symbol is available. Evil will invest in anything that plays to people's baser instincts or is harmful to society in some way. That means it could invest in companies that profit from selling unhealthy snack foods, that are big polluters, that promote vaping, anything that definitely is not good. Lots of people, you know, indirectly benefit from... You know, via publicly traded companies from things that aren't very good and don't realize it. And this just allows them to invest in a more honest, targeted way. It will also be a sort of like a litmus test. If it fails, it doesn't attract assets, it doesn't do well, then like, great. That says good things about our society, right? (laughs) What about my money? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it does well, it says like we're all going to hell in a handbasket, but... It comes up again. (laughs) (laughs) Catching on. (laughs) On the bright side, it will be really a mark of dishonor to be part of this ETF, so that may sort of encourage good behavior. (laughs) Um, that is the sound of us exiting the evil. <laughs> Can I just mention that it's yes. um, its expense ratio is going to be 0. 0.666. <laughs> oh, that's that's not going to help it win, I don't think. Yeah, but it well, won't make more but money. It's, but it's very meta, you know? Um Anyway, it's, you can also use two to three times leverage to make it really wicked. Ooh, ooh, um, ooh. You could wow. short a companion ticker called, like, good. If we mm. think evil is just too bad a ticker, we could call it, well, hell is available. But we could also call it un-PC, and then we appeal to sort of Unk-pa. knee-jerk. X-E-S-G. Unk. Unk. Right. Oh, there you go. Um, well, it's obviously very clever. Uh, clever, but, he says. But you, you yourself sort of seem to be hoping it fails. No. Um, well... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the, like, I appreciate, like, sort of the undiluted evil of it, right. just in the abstract. Yeah, um, just appeal to, to people's base. I mean, right? this is not going Long away. Correct. This bad behavior, you know, it's, it's a very solid base to build a product on. Especially, you know, in this age. I get it. All right. Thank you, evil. Uh, no problem. <laughs> all right. That was all the pitches. Those were good. Can so, I? Uh, so, yeah, you, you, you want to look over your nose for a I second? I got to go for a minute. I'm going to go walk the hall. Okay. All right. Let me go step out for a minute. Okay. Take a, take a little breather. All right. <clears throat> take a little breather. We'll take a little breather. Cut and your I'll, thoughts. I'll be back. In all the right. meantime, no fighting amongst you. Uh, all right. Uh, Sarah, I think Ponzac uh, is a ship. Okay, so we're back. You took a little walk around the block. I did. Collected your thoughts. I feel better now. Did, did some scoring like in figure skating? I did. Okay, let's hear it. So, here we go. 
one by one. First come, first serve. Carolina Wilson came up first with frat. Clever name. Uh, there's some positives to it, but here's my issue. I gave it a six out of ten. And because as, as nice, as, as solid as the name is, I think these kids are broke. I don't think, I think you could also call this broke. This, uh, this, this <laughs> I just don't ultimately know that it's enough of a growth uh, business for me to tap into. Sarah Ponzik, who I gave a seven to. Uh, it just, it just feels right, the whole Gen Z trade. I mean, I'm, I'm just sort of feeling it. It's a touch ethereal to me, but I, I, I'm going with the seven. Joel Weber, Fitty, five. Oh, <laughs> he's out. Ooh. Ooh. Five. Here's my thing. Again, this one was definitely. Cut his mic. <laughs> Shorting costs. Well, you're essentially telling me this one to trust you. That's. I kind of felt there's a little bit too much of I'm why. Tr- I'm telling you to trust Bloomberg intelligence. <laughs> right. But, you know. Oh, right. Don't Whatever. shift it on me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah, it was also a touch too ethereal, but, but all right. But 50 gets a five. So we're thematically linked up there. Ron and Roth, James, I gave a six to. Uh, I, I very much um, uh, find appeal in Ron and Roth. But again, I, I found it a touch too convoluted. Uh, and I thought there were too many moving parts, especially in a... Br- yeah, you got something to say. What's convoluted about risk on and risk off? <laughs> what's, what's convoluted about it Security. is... Um, is that there are... You know, within each sector of the risk on, risk off, right? There were there were different you know elements to it. You were telling me that I had to, right, uh, figure out how to break down the investment and and, and invest it, depending you know on different times. I just sort of felt like in a sixty second pitch, there was a fair amount to get my head around. But that's the opposite of your issue with Joel's, which was they are, they're telling you what to own, and this is like allowing you to own. I, Your own I, research bets against you. <laughs> <laughs> Relentless. If, I think if anything, actuatum is going to revise Ron Raw from a six to a three. <laughs> so we now know who's coming last. All right, very good. But if you want right. to keep pitching, go for it. All right, Morgan E Live gets a seven. I believe this is the second seven we now have. Um, as a gambler. I believe in this industry. I don't know. I think there's a little bit too much hype in terms of how much this is going to grow. Um, but I believe in it as, uh, enough to, to sort of feel like we, we might want to think about putting some money there. I'm not totally feeling the ticker. E-Live is a little, it's a little, it's a little flat to me. Next up is Mr. Beltrinus with Xmon. And as much as this pains me, I gave him a big number. I Ooh. gave him a nine. Whoa! Wow. Yes. Joel called it lazy, but again, in a keep in mind, Joel's this, biased against yeah, me. What does Joel know? What what was Joel's rating? I can't remember. Five. <laughs> Somebody remember that? <laughs> oh. So, I mean, I think what it's important to remember is it is a sixty-second elevator pitch. You gotta get my attention quickly. And you, there is a storyline with this that I could very easily get my head around, uh, and. The, there's a believability factor to it. I think, you know, you went back like 80 years of data that shows this is not just some gimmicky, you know, sort of thing. Um, and I, I found these things attractive. It's kind All right. Of, well, as of right thank now, you. nine, you are, you are in wow. first in the clubhouse. Um, ben Steverman. City, right? Rain, reigning champion. No, reigning it was, champion. Uh, well, City was one option, but yuppie. Yup, yuppie. Yep. Right, City and yuppie. I gave this an eight. I just think actually that the whole urbanization thing is huge. I, I think it's it's here to stay. It's global. It's global. It's it's real. It's part, frankly, of why the world in some ways is so screwed up, right? The divide, political divide, and all that, and you know between rural and urban, but it, you know, and wealthy and and poor uh, rural. But section. you got growth. You got a ton of growth. I mean, it may not necessarily make the world a great place in some ways, but I think it's it's just destined to keep growing. And whether it's city or whether it's yuppie, those are good tickers. I gave it an eight. Guy consistently brings the power. So you're saying it was three better than, than Fitty? Fitty? I, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. And, uh, what is that? And five better 70% than Ron Roth. 70% better? <laughs> <laughs> it was five better than Ron Roth. Yeah. Um, Rachel Evans, shtick. Uh, I give a six to. Where's Rachel? She's angry. So Because she's so angry, I'm going to have Blue Junis explain why yeah. I got a six. No. Uh, no, I... Uh, <laughs> I liked it. I, in the end, 
And I know you're telling me that, right, the genius of buying all five of the 500 most recent is that's going to get me all this. I, I don't know. I don't, I, there's something about blanket buying all the crap that's that that's and the great stuff that's put out there i just didn't want it and especially i'm a little bit thrown by the by this trend of older and older companies ipoing but a six is a good number it's beat beat joel by one yeah and it beat ron roth i guess three. i guess he's saying he didn't like your hand <laughs> it beat joel by 20 percent the greek with reject um i gave is he is the greek on i am here hey how you doing <laughs> I gave you a seven, which as of right now puts you in a tie for third. I believe that, you know, you, you, if I'm going to be doling out $100 million, there's got to be some contrarian play in here. This is, this is, I thought this was the best contrarian play, although evil's also the worst. Evil's also a good contrarian play. I also think that there's, indeed, you just get so much hype around the factor stuff and all that, that um, if you, right, we're going to be holding on to this stuff for a decent period of time, right, to, to cash in. Um, I think it makes sense. Uh, so seven for reject. Yeah. Annie, I do. Where are you? I give you a six. What the oh. Wow, I'm shocked Ooh. by that. Me too. That's okay, like a, why are you shocked? That's like a cold I, I don't know. shower. It, I thought it came off. It just came off. I you can't explain it. Is it because it was such a polished pitch, <laughs> full of so many good yeah. ideas? The pitch was and very he, good. There's, yeah. There was no issue with the pitch. Yeah, the pitch was killer. The name is killer. Who truly, the idea killer. <laughs> who truly believes in the institution of marriage is a crazy growth industry? Raise your hands. You, people, but you can short it. Your, people, you can you, short you, it. Annie, I'm not stopping you from pitching this elsewhere. You want to keep pitching this? <laughs> I'm going to take this idea other. straight to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, the pitch was killer. Everybody's a little upset here in this room. Yeah, you the know, pitch I, was good. But and the, and the last thing, the last little issue I had was just a little, it's too dispersed. Like, I don't. Really, like I don't, I don't, I'm struggling to get my head around having Amazon as a, as a, w- a bet on the wedding industry. We're right. moving on. Right. Knife through my heart. Annie uh, robbed. Robbed. <laughs> All right. Well, you uh, you guys can give her some money of your own then. Yeah. Uh, now accepting evil. other people's money, <laughs> not David. Okay. Evil was super close. In the end, I gave it a six. It was super close. So here's the thing. It is a lot of fun. It's awesome. 6.5, maybe? 6.5. You know what? I'll take half of six. I'll take 0.6 from Joel. (laughs) You'll get a 6.6. Joel will go down to a 4.4. Right? Okay. 4.4. All right. It sounds better when Fiddy was five. (laughs) Fiddy, 4.4. Six or so, I think it's super fun. In the end, um, it's. I don't think people are going to put money into it, but it's, it's, uh, cause it's evil. So that's it. That's a wrap. This Wait, all, so what this means. By my math, Eric, there's a certain Paul winner. Tunis. Can you, wow. even, can you even say it, Joel? Eric Paul Tunis? <laughs> say, say, say it X-Mon. again. I, you say know, look, again. I called it lazy. I called it lazy. You yeah, did. you ripped and me, I, man. Yeah, now I, yeah, it haunts me. Who gets the last laugh? Well, I guess you do. Uh, <laughs> or I get $50 million. So, so 50 million. 50 million. Which is a good, Thank you very much. Now hold on. I was now, bounced early from the other one, so I it's, redemption. It's, uh, nice, yeah. How does it feel? What Good. Are gonna, what are you going to do with uh, fifty million dollars in your ETF? Honestly, I picked this because I was kind of surprised there wasn't a product like this. Because, uh, like you said, you can get it in a minute, and if it starts to get some of that outperformance, yeah, outperformance plus easy to understand equals flows. I would suspect that's right. I actually think we'll, let's launch this thing. <laughs> you serious? You get the hundred million. Let's let's, let's talk. I'm going all hundred million. No, we're yeah. going right. fifty million. Okay, and so Excellent. rounding out, rounding out, who number you're two? Your other money to. Last year's winner, Ben Steverman, comes wow. in again. Wow, wow. this guy's like third, he's, yeah. he's like Gonzaga. He yeah, the tournament yep. and he comes ready to play. Yeah, but he also it almost like seems like he knows you know investing wise some of the things that appeal to me well, he, i believe in empty finance ben, I, right. think I believe he, in he empty yeah. and even though empty hasn't paid off yet it it will it will, it will. It's a and now yuppie yuppie slash city whatever fine we need to finalize yeah, the name before good. i give you the money obviously um it's that's a winner i had three <laughs> people tied at seven right but in that tiebreaker <laughs> i went to i went to Ponzi. I went oh, to Ponzi. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. oh wow! Pumped. 
<laughs> so she gets twenty months. I ultimately just, and I'm going to probably rue the day that I believe in. Oh, Gen I'm already Z, ruining it. I'm going to hear I, about it I, <laughs> all, all year. Yeah. Do you know how many um, headlines you're going to see that are no longer millennial but Gen Z? Everyone's going to hate Gen Z. Yeah. In the best way possible. Mr. Papadopoulos, what did you learn in this whole process? That um, absorbing pitches in 60 seconds is tricky. And I don't know. I mean, Eric, you tell me how realistically, how quickly do people make decisions on what ETFs to buy? But I do feel like a storyline and a clear product that are easy to get your head around there's, there feels to me like there's a lot of value to that. I mean, certainly in this kind of compressed format, that was the case. Well, I don't go to those pitch meetings, but generally I would think so because that's what works flow-wise for these products that aren't just sort of cheap beta. So like, give, me, give, me, have, give me some examples. Okay, example, robotics. Um, everybody understands robotics. They see the video of the robot jumping over the car and they're like, oh yeah, big industry. And then robo starts going up, boom, there goes the flows. There are other ETFs that outperform that don't get the flows because I do think they're tougher for people to understand. Um, so I do think the easy to understand, the 30-second pitch is a good idea because if you can get the seed investor in, to understand it or somebody in 30 seconds, when it has a good breakout performance, if people don't understand it, I don't know if the performance is enough. So I do think that's uh, likely what people are looking for. I asked Mike Venuto. He said, obviously, seed capital is a big one. If you have seed capital, he'll probably right. greenlight you. And then the other one was he did look for like if you could develop a family around it, if it was easy to understand mm-hmm. and simple. And if there was obviously nothing really like it on the market. How many, because like in Annie's, Annie's pitch was great. But again, I, personally, I just don't see how that's a growth industry. How many ETFs are launched, like sort of thematic ETFs are launched that are not, that in a do well, that are not, people are not selling growth? Like, you know, they're like, oh, I'm so, here's an ETF with great stable industry. Does that appeal to people? In the theme front, not much. I think with the theme ETF, that's why they equal weight them. You got to juice those suckers up with some like I call them legal PEDs, which is like equal weighting, some FANG stocks. You juice them up, and then they outperform. A lot of people don't understand it's just because they have more risk, right? <laughs> but they're outperforming nonetheless, and they go, oh, and then the theme kind of kicks in. They're like, oh, of course, robotics or cybersecurity. Weddings. Um, I want Annie, in. Annie, you yeah. taking notes? Yeah. Juice it up. Lever it up. Like if I do start outperforming, I think people go, yeah, of course. Everybody spends a bundle on weddings. I did too. I get it. I'll buy it. All right. Thanks to David Papadopoulos for judging. You're Thanks to our contestants for all those great ideas. Maybe mine wasn't so great after all, but, you know, that was a fun one. Except for coming in basically all the <laughs> Second to last. Second. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weber Show. He's at Eric Balchunas. Trillions is produced by Magnus Hendrickson. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcast. Bye. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for the Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash Radio. 